Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana. Happy to have you with us on this Friday, June 18th. And we are wrapping up the first week of our summer schedule. We are coming to you now Monday, Wednesday, and Friday this week through, I would say, probably about mid-July, just before the start of training camp, when we start to ramp up the coverage a little bit. But uh, we're going to make these shows count for something. Hopefully, you'll enjoy the the content, and uh, we're going to try and make them count, like I said. And for those of you who listen to the show on Wednesday... I talked about a special guest that I was going to have on the program, and I revealed who that guest was going to be. Now, if you didn't listen to that show, well, gosh, go back and listen to it, please. Um, and if you did, you know that my special guest on today's program is Brian Baldinger. He's an NFL analyst over on the NFL Network. You also know him probably uh, if you are on Twitter, you know him for Baldy's Breakdown. So really excited to have Brian on the show with me. And we spoke about the Giants offensive line. I got Brian's take on various topics about the offensive line. So I'm going to play that interview for you over the course of this show. Hope you will enjoy it. And before we get started with the interview with Brian, this episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you in part by Peacock and Williamson. Check them out. They are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and they are available five days a week. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, let's jump right in and welcome in Brian Baldinger, again, NFL Network analyst and the man who invented Baldy's Breakdowns. And Brian, thank you again for joining me here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Brian, I want to start off by asking about the New York Giants offensive line. And in particular, we hear from the Giants organization, from head coach Joe Judge, from general manager Dave Gettleman, that the unit improved, that they got better. Now, I know with any position group, the improvement is never linear. It's never a straight line. There's going to be peaks and valleys. But in your review of the Giants offensive line from last year, from the start of last year to the end of the season, where did you see the most growth in that unit? Well, you know, they, they include their tight ends in a lot of blocking schemes, Patricia. And early in the year last year, there was a one tight end that to block. So I did see improvement from all the tight ends, uh, which was encouraging. Um, now, Andrew Thomas got off to a terrible start. Um, he was he was really poor early in the year. He got better. There was a stretch. Um, there was a stretch last year of about six games, maybe from the Rams game on, where I thought they were really improved. Chicago, they were awful. I mean, there were some games early. They were San Francisco, they were awful. But I thought starting around the Rams game, the line got better and the team got much more competitive. And then they actually, you know, went on that four-game win streak. And I thought, like, they were really, they were rotating, you know. I mean, it was a big deal from Joe to uh, to cross-train and get Matt Parrott in there and, you know, get all these guys playing time. And I thought that there was they were really on their way. And then they kind of fell off at the end of the season. And, um, and so, you know, obviously they didn't address it in the offseason. Well, they did. I mean, Nate Solder was back and Zach Fulton got signed. So it wasn't like they did nothing. But, um, 
you know, I think they've got real question marks, Patricia. I mean, I don't, I don't know that Will Hernandez has improved at all. They need him to be really good. Um, I like Shane Lemieux a great deal. I think his pass protection has to get better. I mean, you go one, you know, one by one. Or, you know, uh, Zeitler was their best player by far, and he's not there any longer. So, I, I have real question marks about the group versus what the Giants are kind of saying about the. Now, just backing up a little bit, Brian, the Giants last year, new offensive system, no offseason to really work on it, new players at certain positions, including Nick Gates, who even though he was a rookie, he was a first-time center. And then, of course, you throw in the fact that they had some instability at the coaching at that unit, you know, with Mark Colombo being fired and being replaced by Dave Dago. Guglielmo, how much of that do you think factored into the uh, peaks and valleys that this unit had? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, you read, you know, some of the things that came out at that time. I thought Colombo was doing a really good job. Uh, I thought the group was really improving underneath him. Uh, it was not a, I'm not taking any shots at Googs, but I thought the team and the group was really responding to him. But there was a real philosophical difference between what he wanted to do and what Coach Judge wanted to do. And so, you know, obviously, <laughs> uh, I call him Father Judge. But, uh, you know, Joe really had really strong opinions about how he wanted linemen to work in during the game and play. And I don't think that's what Colombo wanted to do. So, whatever. They made a change. Sal's there. Um, Rob's there now. And, you know, and, and uh, Flaherty's there now. So, you know, that's great. But I, I can't really – I don't really know how much that affected the group. I thought they were really improving under Mark. and then. Like I said, I thought they really dropped off towards the end of the season. Now, I want to get into the individuals for a moment here, and I want to start with Will Hernandez, because to me, Will is the biggest question mark and, and mystery, if you will. Um, this is a kid, second-round draft pick, had a fairly strong rookie season. There was a lot of optimism that maybe he would build on that. And then, you know, it, it just hasn't come yet. And last year, you look at what happened. He had COVID, um, missed a couple of games. I don't know how much that affected him. Um, and, and ultimately, he just lost that starting job. I mean, when you look at Will Hernandez's tape, what do you think is behind his lack of progress to build on that rookie season? Well, you know, he's a little stiff. Okay. I mean, he's obviously, you know, his size is his size. He's a little stiff. Um, it doesn't help when you, you know, teams are running stunts against you and, um, you know, you got to get to the second level in the run game. And, um, you're right. I mean, I thought when he came in with Saquon, I thought that they were a pretty good group, but you know, you got to get, you got to get the second level blocks in the run game and he doesn't get to the second level real great. Um, he's had some trouble in pass protection. Uh, you know, they, they, basically benched him for a while last year. Maybe it was COVID related. It's I, I, I can't speculate on any of that, Patricia. Everybody was affected different, you know, by people that got that. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shane Lemieux came in. I thought played really well. I was a Shane Lemieux fan coming out of Oregon. Um, you know, he started every game up there and he, now I, I know that protection wise, they weren't really uh, tremendously pleased at the end of the season, but I thought in the run game, he was good. He was a natural puller. Uh, I thought he gave him some pop in the run game. I thought he got to the second level real good. I thought he played well with Andrew Thomas. Um, so I saw some stuff there um, that I wasn't seeing with Will. 
you know, um, just an overall understanding of the position and things that can just, I mean, you can practice stuff all you want. I mean, stuff that happens live is what you have to react to. And I don't think that he reacts to the stuff that you can't really script live well enough right now. Now, with Will, it looks like the plan for, for the Giants is to move him from left guard to right guard. Will has always been, if I'm not mistaken, a career left guard going back to his days at high school. So that said, I know when, when offensive linemen switch sides, it's kind of like, you know, all your life you've been writing with your right hand. And then if you, when you go from right to left, you, you're now writing with your left hand. So basically, Brian, what kind of mountain is Will Hernandez looking at right now in terms of making sure that that transition, if that is indeed the plan, which again, it looks like it will be, will be successful for him and for the Giants? Well, it could be different for everybody. He did start every game at El Paso, uh, UTEP at left guard. Um, you know, and then he came in for two years. I mean, every game at left guard for the Giants. Um, it can be difficult for some people. I don't know that it will be for Will or not yet, because until you do it, um, until you kind of have to reverse things, you don't know what he's going to do. He's going to see, you know, he's got a good feel for the NFC East and guys, you know, whether it's Washington, Philadelphia, you know, I, in Philadelphia, you're going to see a lot more Fletcher Cox at right guard than you will at left guard, uh, just because of the way they line up. So he's going to see better players in, some, in certain games than he would on the left side. Um, Washington's got a formidable front, uh, especially inside. Matt Ioannidis is a handful for a lot of people. So he's going to, have to see different people, which can affect you. Because he's going to see, you know, it's, it's almost like a hitter going through a pitcher's lineup. You know, once you see the pitchers, you know, one or two times, you kind of get a feel for what you're going to see. And now you're, you're kind of flipping not just left side, right side, but He's going to see a lot of different personnel as well. All right, Giant fans, we have much, much more with Brian Baldinger, Baldy's Breakdowns. That's how you, some of you might know him. He is talking with us about the Giants offensive line. Great stuff so far from Brian. Uh, more coming up in just a bit. First, Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Use your Credit Karma Money debit card to become eligible to win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Open your free FDIC-insured spend account today. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals are available from a network of over 50,000 ATMs, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. There's no purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms do apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, Giant fans, you are listening to Locked On Giants, and I am Patricia Trena. And my special guest today is Brian Baldinger, an NFL network analyst. He is also the man who does Baldy's breakdowns on Twitter during the uh, football season. If you are not following Baldy, check him out. He does a really good job and really explains the finer points of different plays um, in a language that I think any football fan at any level can understand. And I really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation with Brian Baldinger. So let's get back to the interview. 
And Brian, let's talk now about Nick Gates. Now, I got to admit, I thought the Giants, given the circumstances last year, which again, the um, the offseason program being canceled because of COVID-19, um, having a second-year quarterback who was in his first year with a new offensive system, I thought the Giants might go with Spencer Pulley at center, at least in the beginning, because, you know, this we're talking a guy who was relatively experienced, who, who had played the position before, um, and I thought maybe they would eventually transition to Nick Gates. Now, that was not the case. They started Nick Gates right out of the uh, chute, and he, he played fairly well, I thought, you know, all things considering that being his first year at the position. With that said, when you look at some of the struggles of the offensive line, um, obviously you've got to you've got to wonder about the protection calls. Now I know with the Giants, some of the calls are made by the center, some of them are made by the quarterback. I'm just wondering, from your uh, study of the Giants, where do you see maybe the uh, the issues happening um, last year as far as the protection calls, and how much of that affected what the offensive line did on a week to week basis? Well, you know, protection is. I mean, it's a cliche, but it it's really falls on everybody. Um, if your center isn't strong, you're going to be weak in the middle. It's going to affect the quarterback. I thought Nick battled in there real well. I thought I thought he was a better prospect than Spencer Pulley, even though he hadn't really played there before. But that's okay. I mean, guys learn a position. Um, there's some teams that just don't want to spend money on centers. I mean, you go out there and do what, you know, the, the Los Angeles Chargers did to sign Corey Lindsley, you know, and spend an awful lot of money. And then there's some teams – um, you know, they're willing to put free agents in there and let them learn a position. I mean, I've seen, I've seen it both ways. Um, centers can be difficult to evaluate a lot because they, they work in concert with the guards on almost every single play. And so if there's any sort of communication that isn't exactly right, then they can be affected. Um, I thought, there, like I said, there was about a six-game stretch. I thought they were playing really well inside. They ran the ball. Allman, I mean, they ran the ball inside really well in a bunch of those games. And I thought that was a direct result of Nick Gates and kind of how he was playing with the different guards because there was Hernandez at first and then there was Lemieux and, you know, Zeitler. I thought Zeitler probably helped Nick Gates. I mean, you think about it, you know, Zeitler was in there with a, basically a rookie center. I know he wasn't a rookie, but a rookie center. And, you know, Matt Parrott, um, you know, a rookie tackle. I mean, it's good to have a guy like Zeitler who's about as strong as anybody in this league. And you can just have that veteran um, calmness that a guy like Zeitler who's seen so much and has played all these snaps can really help out young players. You know, you mentioned Kevin Zeitler and the fact that he's not there anymore. It was interesting because the other day I was doing an article and um, I decided to take a look at the average age of the projected starting line versus the average age of the projected backup line. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but um, the I believe the average age of the projected starting line is about 24.1 years, whereas the backups is closer to 30. And I found that interesting because you would think that, you know, with that projected starting offensive line, they're still kind of young. You would think they would maybe want to have a veteran pre- presence on that line, you know, to kind of keep things calm and settle down. But I guess the coaches maybe look at these guys now as young veterans and maybe they don't need the old grizzly type on there. But still, I would think that's kind of unusual for an offensive line, wouldn't you say? 
Well, yes. Um, you know, we got we got to see what Nate Solder looks like. You know, I mean, he's projected to be over on the right side. I don't know if it's a battle with Matt Parrott because um, that, that's one of the positions you're talking about. Zach Fulton, obviously, is an older guard, but is he still a starting guard in this league? Uh, is Nate Solder still a starting tackle? He, you know, he didn't play particularly well at left tackle. They're asking him to go to right tackle, which I don't know if he played right tackle Colorado, uh, Patricia, but I don't think he did. So you're asking him to kind of flip sides too. Now you've got two guys that are flipping sides from what they're used to doing. I mean, that, 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 that can be, you know, a little bit difficult. So I think they're going with the young guys because, you know, they started developing those guys last year. And I think they saw, you know, enough improvement in each of those guys, you know, Andrew Thomas and Parrott and Lemieux to say that they're ready to, to go. And obviously, their moves in the offseason, whether it's free agency or the draft, does the same thing, that they feel like they're ready based on what they saw last year. Brian, I need to ask you about Joe Judge's uh, rotating the offensive lineman last year. Were you surprised at that? And, you know, that said, I know it's not very common, but when you have a young offensive line like the Giants had last year, how much do you think that that rotation of certain guys at certain positions either helped or hurt their development? I don't know how much it hurt it um, because we don't know if they just left all five guys up there and just let them play what it would have been like. Um, I, th- I, I, I'm not a fan of that. I think guys, and you know, like if you go to like the best offense line of football is in Cleveland and JC Treader has played every snap in Cleveland uh, at center, regardless of the score since he's gotten there. And so is Joel Petonio except for a game they missed because of COVID this year. Um, but, I mean, Joe Thomas played every snap. Like, I believe in guys – I believe offensive linemen want to play every snap. They don't want to come out of games. Um, and, you and, you know, the more you play, the more you get better at your own techniques, but you also the more chemistry you build the guys next to you. And if you're in and out of the lineup, um, there's benefits because, you know, you're, you're, now you're developing depth and things like that, which is important. Um, don't get me wrong, but, but it's, is it at the expense of player development, you know, stealing reps and at the expense of better chemistry, which is everything to an offensive line. Sometimes it's necessary because of injuries, but just to pull guys out of the lineup with, you know, Cam Fleming, you know, maybe he thought, you know, Cam Fleming was a one-year stopgap and let's get this kid in there. He, you know, he looks like, I don't know exactly what Joe was thinking, um, that, but I'm not a fan of it to answer your question. Let's talk a little bit now about Matt Parrott. Now, he will battle with Nate Solder for the starting right tackle job. But again, you get the impression, at least I do at any rate, that the Giants would like to see Matt Parrott win that job. And, you know, Matt, of course, rotated last year some snaps with Cam Fleming, who was the starting right tackle, no longer with the Giants now, uh, having left by a free agency. In your evaluation of Parrott's film, what do you see in him? And, and just where is he in his in terms of his development at this point? Well, you know, he's got a, he's got a, you know, the wingspan of a Commodore, which is nice. It's good. It's good to have long arms. He might have the longest arms of any tackle in the league. Um, I think his wingspan is like seven feet, two inches or something. Um, he, I think he started every game at Connecticut. So he showed the ability to stay healthy. He's got tremendous length. And you're looking for those measurables when you look at certain positions. It doesn't mean that a guy can't play 
if he doesn't have those, but it's certainly a good starting point. I think he's got to get functionally stronger, Patricia. Now, he's a young guy, so you think that, you know, weight room and all these things that you have access to now, that you're going to get stronger, stronger at the point, stronger, uh, you know, being able to move guys off the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, he's, he's very, you know, he's tall. So a lot of guys that are tall, they have a hard time changing direction. They have a hard time redirecting. And I would say that he falls in that category. And so the one way that you eliminate some of those traps is that you, your steps and your footwork is perfect. And nobody has perfect footwork, but that's what you're striving for. And so that's what, you know, a guy like Joe Thomas, who is as good as we've seen in this business over the last 10 years, I mean, he was literally, he could have taught physics, you know, because his footwork and his understanding of his footwork and strength and everything that comes from it, but he was a student of that kind of a game. Now, there's rare, those guys are rare, but that's where Matt's got to get better. He's understanding, changing up his sets. So the good pass rushers, which seem to all be over the right tackle in this league right now, whether it's Khalil Mack or Von Miller or J.J. Watt or, you know, just Khalil, you know, we just go through the list of guys, Neil Hunter. I mean, you got your hands full, T.J. Watt. You got your hands full at, uh, at right tackle in this business. And so you got to have the ability to change up your sets because once a good pass rusher like a T.J. Watt, let's say, um, sees your pass set, I mean, he's going he's gonna to have a counter to it right away. So you got to have a counter to it. And so, you know, it's, it's one thing now he's out there just trying to survive and be comfortable. But now he's got to be able to, all right, short set. He's got a deep set. He's got a, you know, jump set. I mean, he's got to learn how to do a lot of these different things to be really competitive and to, to really play a chess game with some of the elite guys out there right now. Giant fans, we are talking with Brian Baldinger, NFL Network analyst, and he of Baldy's Breakdowns. We're talking Giants offensive line, really great stuff from Brian, with a lot more still to come here on the Locked on Giants podcast. But first, let me take a moment to tell you about rockauto.com, a family-owned business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com offers an extensive selection of auto and body parts for dozens of auto manufacturers, makes and models, all at competitive prices. Get what you need for your car or truck delivered straight to your door from RockAuto.com's extensive and easily searchable catalog. And be sure to write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Hey, Giant fans, let me take a minute to tell you about Bilt Bar. They have nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor, which right now is their Grasshopper Mint. Really good. One of my favorites currently running from Bilt Bar. When you eat a delicious Bilt Bar, it's like eating a candy bar minus the guilt, as most of their milk chocolate covered bars have about 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and about four grams of sugar. Indulging on a low-carb, low-sugar treat never tasted so good. And right now, when you order at BuiltBar.com, you can save 15% when you use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, I hope you are enjoying today's show. Brian Baldinger of NFL Network is our guest, and uh, he is also... 
the creator of Baldi's Breakdowns. He breaks down certain film clips during the course of the season. I think he watches every single game and picks out certain teaching points and really does a great job. I mean, if you are not paying attention to his clips, uh, you can really learn a lot. I know I have, and I am just absolutely grateful that he has taken the time today to come on the program and talk Giants offensive line. And Brian, I think you mentioned this earlier. You mentioned that Giants head coach Joe Judge has a very specific, um, I guess, set of criteria as to how he wants the offensive linemen to play, I guess, to be taught. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on that um, and explain some of the, the nuances that maybe people might not be aware of? Well, I think, you know, I mean, the big thing was he was, you know, he was willing to play, you know, seven or eight players during a game, which there's not many teams that do that. Now, that might be a Belichick thing. I mean, Bill doesn't even do that really. But, I mean, it was, it was his own personal thing to cross train guys and play them left side and right side and rotate them in there during games. And whether it was preset or game specific, I don't know. Um, but, you know, that was obviously a big falling out. Um, you know, with the guys that were there before. But so that's part of it. But, you know, I mean, everybody wants to be a good run blocking team, uh, first and foremost. They want to win the line of scrimmage, you know, and they want to they want to establish the line of scrimmage. Um, obviously, protecting the quarterback is paramount, but you want to be a, a good run blocking football team and moving guys off the line. And I, I didn't think they were good like that. I thought they did a good job of trapping guys and position blocking. But I think they were, you know, especially good at knocking guys back and reestablishing the line of scrimmage. Um, so, and then, you know, you always want to be able to, to run it to finish games out in the last four minutes with the lead, you know, and just play keep away and just give it to your offensive line to finish. And those are basic staples, whether it's Joe Judge or, you know, Belichick or, you know, just about every coach in the league, they want to be able to do that. And so I'm sure he, that philosophy is is expanded upon um, you know, on a daily basis, you know, in their meetings. Now, Brian, I want to go back to Andrew Thomas for a moment. Much was made about the Giants' decision to draft him fourth overall. He was the first offensive tackle off the board in 2020. And, you know, there was some debate as to whether or not the Giants made a mistake, given how Andrew's season kind of unfolded. Looking at his uh, ceiling here, how much more room does he have to grow? And where does he really need to pick up his game, you know, if he's to be a functional and consistent NFL left tackle? Well, I think I, I believe that everybody can improve, uh, including Andrew Thomas. We saw some signs last year. He battled. Um, he's, he's a good athlete in some ways. Um, that's what got him drafted, number four overall. I didn't believe he was as good as Tristan Worse or Jedrick Wills or Mekhi Beckett. I just didn't. Um, I thought there was real real weaknesses in his game, and it showed up last year. His feet aren't in the ground. He's constantly on one foot, which puts you off balance, which takes away your strength. And he's got a big swinging gait with his right foot, and he opens it up all the time. And I thought he did better keeping his feet in the ground. I think Pat Flaherty. I mean, I, I know Pat a long time. I'll, I'd be surprised if you don't see – I don't I can't speak to Rob Sale because I don't know Rob. Um, but I, I do know Pat, and I do know that the deficiencies I see, he sees. And I'd be surprised if he can't get him to get his cleats in the ground. 
Like that at least will give him a, like a fighting chance. He just, because he's like so light on his feet, he, he constantly opens up his footwork and he just swings too fast. And it just gives these guys these open lanes to the quarterback. And he's got to be strong. He's got to keep his cleats in the ground. And there's ways to do that. And so I'm anxious to see that. I don't think he's a great run blocker, but he's not bad. Um, he's got some power to him. I wouldn't put him in Tristan Worf's category, but um, but I, I won't put almost anybody in that category. I mean, that guy's just a, a rare, rare player. But Andrew Thomas has to get better, period. He can't give up nearly as many quarterback pressures or hits as he did a year ago. It's just not tolerable. It just isn't. If, if he does, then – you know, I would put Nate Solder over there. All right, Brian. Now, with offensive line, obviously they don't have a whole lot of stats like running back and receiver and whatnot. And uh, even so, stats don't tell the whole story. You know, you can see, for example, Andrew Thomas and think that he's the one who gave up a sack when, in fact, it might have been the guard next to him that gave up the sack. That being said, again, just going back to the Giants coaching staff and the front office saying that they see improvement, that they think this line is going to get better. What can we as uh, media, as fans, what can we look for in this unit to say, yes, this unit has definitely improved? Is it going to be a reduction in the quarterback hits? Is it going to be an increase in in the average uh, yards per run? What What are some metrics or some things that we can look for to where we have hope now that the offensive line is indeed on the right track? Well, first of all, um, and one area that did improve, like I said, during a stretch, was the mental errors went way down. And so the mental errors, when you really slow it down, they pop out at you. But, you know, five guys working together, slide protection, um, cutting off the backside, blocking the right guys in the run game, like those errors went way down. Uh, early on, there was some huge mistakes. I mean, the Cowboy game early on was a disaster. I mean, there were some games where it looked bad. But so the first thing that you want to see is mental errors as a group go down. And so, and then you want to see teamwork together go up. So mental errors go down and your function as a group. So if you're running in the inside zone play and you've got two double teams at the point of attack, uh, between a guard tackle, center guard. But you want to see that double team, shoulder to shoulder, foot to foot, like fundamentally sound football and taking them wherever they want to go into the lap of the linebacker, preferably. Like there's just certain things. It has to have good optics. You have to see it. And when you see double teams where they're, they're not foot to foot and shoulder to shoulder and they're working against each other and a team hicks in Chicago, it's just splitting you. That's bad-looking football. And that's how you start playing together. Um, you start really – because you're only as strong as the weakest link on the group on any given play. And if a guy breaks down in the run game because he left the double team too early and that guy at the defense tackle position makes the play, like it's got to be pointed out and it's got to be addressed. And it can't happen again. And those are the – those. it's – a lot of subtle things, Patricia, that, you know, I mean, I, I, I think I know how Joe coaches that he, you know, he, he'll be very demanding of that stuff. 
Brian, I think another thing we have to mention when it comes to the offensive line play is the quarterback. Now, obviously, offensive linemen can't be expected to hold blocks indefinitely. And one of the things with Daniel Jones last year that I saw, actually what I've seen for for two years now from him, is that sometimes there was a tendency to hold that ball a little longer than probably should have. And I'm just wondering, it, you know, how much does that factor into this whole, you know, equation with the offensive line? It's a big part. But that being said, I mean, the first thing Daniel Jones has to do, and it has to start in the first preseason game, I don't care if he plays 10 plays, take care of the football. He's a turnover machine right now, and it just can't be tolerated. And it's in so many different ways. He gets the ball knocked out of his hands. He, 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 he has bad snaps. He has bad handoffs. Uh, the ball, he has got to take care of the football better. It's just, it's been three straight years of this stuff. And it just, you just can't tolerate it anymore. And I'm not just talking about for a game. I'm talking about like a, like the month of October where there's not a turnover. You know, you just, the, the ball just becomes the most important thing. And there's times to take chances and you're going to have interceptions. That's fine. But, you know, the way that he got hit, let's say against Arizona, like, I don't know how many times he fumbled against Arizona last year, but, like, maybe four times. Like, it's ridiculous the amount of times that the ball comes out of his hands. Like, that's the most important thing. And, yes, he got hit a bunch, you know, by Hassan Reddick and all that. But um, it, he just – he has got to take care of the football. All right. Great stuff, Brian. Thank you so much for the time. I really enjoyed our interview today. Giant fans, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Locked on Giants podcast. Make sure you keep it here next week. All new shows. Again, we'll be back Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I am working on some player interviews, both current and former. And I hope to have those for you early next week on one of the shows and one on Wednesday. And then for next Friday, if you want, we can do a mailbag. So uh, if you want to send a question in for next Friday, make sure you send it to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. And if we have enough questions, I'll do a mailbag on Friday. All right, Giant fans, that'll do it for us today. Have a fantastic weekend and we'll talk to you again next week.